You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadale. Today on this day in history, very simple, uh, a year ago today, PFF released their um, breakdown of the upcoming quarterbacks. Now, the Packers didn't take any of those, but it'll still be interesting to hear, because the draft is coming up and we think we know everything, it's interesting to hear what the uh, all-knowing people were saying about certain prospects and uh, what we know now and how much that has changed to give us some idea of how far away from reality we were at that point. And then also looking a little bit at the Senior Bowl. So um, there's those two things. If that sounds interesting, stay tuned till after the break. We'll talk about it. Otherwise, I will talk to you all tomorrow. Be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about two different things, I believe. You never really know. The firstest is we're going to look at Pro Football Focus just released their um, quarterback analysis for 2018 giant folder sheet thing. Well, it's a PDF, but, you know, a lot of information. So I just want to sift through it. They break down a lot of different things from a lot of different angles, so that's kind of what I want to do there. And then finally, maybe, depending on how long that takes, get over to the Senior Bowl and just kind of poke through a lot of that. Um you know, a lot of it is just kind of this guy good, this guy bad, this guy then bad the next day, but then this guy good this day, and this guy bad, and then he's good, and then he's bad, and then he's good, and then he's going to first round, and then ninth round, and then 17th, and then you never like him, and then he's the greatest! But, uh, you know, we'll play the game. I don't mind jumping on the hype train once in a while for fun. It's a fun train, man. 
So basically, a lot of what we're going to start with with the quarterbacks here is these uh, sort of XY axis kind of thing. You know, top right is ideal, bottom left is not so ideal. The first chart, the, uh, the Y axis, the up and down, is uh, basically safe throws. And then the X axis, the bottom, is the uh, big time throws. So all the way to the top right would be big time throws, but safe. Now, the, the weird thing about this, and it kind of just dawned on me now, but it kind of almost seems like big time throw and not so safe would be sort of ideal because big time throw safe would basically mean big time throw to a wide open receiver. But I don't know. I guess we'll just assume we know what we're talking about. And these are big time throws, but also advisable throws as opposed to really probably shouldn't have thrown that so much. So first of all, Aaron Rodgers, pretty solid in this. Um, the most safe quarterback, which again, you look at the throwaways, not super surprising. But he's actually not bad in terms of his big time throws. So there's four that really stand out. Russell Wilson is way above ahead of the pack. Then you've got three, Mahomes, Mayfield, and Fitzpatrick that are all kind of in a group. Then you've got a pretty big group with Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Andy Dalton. Very close behind, you've got like Breeze and Goff, Stafford and Luck, those kinds of guys. So he's the most safe quarterback, but still, let's see, if I were to just count it out roughly, it's not an exact science, exactly where people land, but one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, he'd maybe be eighth in big time throws. And then if you just count quarterbacks that are um, in that range, so from Rodgers forward, but also the safe throw guys. So you'd have to cut out Dalton, Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Fitzpatrick. Essentially, he would be fourth. But it's also hard to read this because which is more important? Mahomes, Mayfield, and Wilson were very, very close to that uh, volatile line. In other words, unsafe, unadvisable throws, whereas Rodgers maybe isn't quite as far to the right. He's a lot higher. So it's, it's you know, depending on how you read it and, and what you're really searching for, Aaron Rodgers was one of the best on this chart, which compares big-time throws to turnover-worthy plays, which is a bad thing. So he was the best in, in, in terms of non-turnover-worthy plays, one of the best in terms of big-time throws. So this is a very flattering chart for Rodgers. Uh, I also want to take a peek at some other NFC North guys. So Matt Stafford is on the safe and big-time throw side. He's right just in that range, but he is in the, the good range. And then as far as Cousins and Trubisky, um, Cousins is in the safe range, but uh, not big-time throws. So doesn't make a lot of big plays. Trubisky is in the worst category, which means... He's not safe with the football, and he doesn't make a lot of big-time throws. I'm just going to enjoy this, because Rodgers is probably going to be number one in a lot of these categories, and Trubisky's probably going to be dead last, and it's going to make me very happy. But let's continue. Now, adjusting completion percentage is where I'm going to be proven wrong. Uh, the NFC North in general didn't do super great, but Kirk Cousins was pretty phenomenal in the uh, adjusted completion percentage. Drew Brees is in a category of his own. His goal, apparently, was like 75% completion percentage. I think his actual was like 72.5 or something ridiculous. So just just out of his mind with uh, completion percentage. But his adjusted completion percentage, which, you know, strips away drops and throwaways and stuff, 82.2% of his throws were basically completed. Completed or not his fault that it wasn't caught. Second on the list is Kirk Cousins at 79.5. So it's basically 
a gigantic drop from Breeze and then a slow decline toward the middle. The NFL average is 75.3. Matt Stafford is 75.4. So he's about as dead average as you can get, aside from Case Keenum, who was exactly average. Then you got to work your way down. You get Aaron Rodgers at 74.2. And then continue all the way down. One, two, three, four, five. Sixth worst is Mitch Trubisky, 71.4. So Rodgers, not super great in that category. I mean, just passing wasn't great for the Packers this year in general. We know that. This shouldn't be super shocking, at least in terms of efficiency numbers, right? I mean, the, the last chart was good because it's talking about chunk plays. It's talking about being intelligent with the football, but just raw numbers. It just it wasn't where we're used to it being. But again, Trubisky's still worse, so it, uh, we're good. So the next chart here is um, positive grade percentage versus negative grade percentage. So positive graded throws versus negative graded throws. So being super high up on this list means you had a, a lot of really bad throws, being to the right of the list means you had a uh, really high number of good throws. So bottom right is kind of what we're shooting for here. There wasn't a single NFC North team that was in the bottom right. Three of the four were bottom left, which essentially means um, they did not have a lot of negative throws. So they were safe with the football, but they didn't have a lot of po uh, positive throws. So Rodgers, Stafford, and Cousins all in this range. Rodgers of this group had the highest percentage of positive throws, and uh, the only person with less negatives was Kirk Cousins, who was actually really solid with that. Uh, you know, again, he's, he's safe, good completion percentage, efficient, I think is what Cousins is, but just not super electric. I don't know. And then Trubisky was basically the worst. Again, it depends how you want to read this. Tannehill is way over here with basically no positive throws, but he wasn't quite as high with the negative throws. It's ridiculous how low Tannehill is with positive throws. Trubisky is basically tied with Josh Allen for second most negative throws. Lamar Jackson is in a category by himself with the most negative throws. So Lamar Jackson's got quite a ways to go. All these guys are very young, though. You look at uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Mitch Trubisky are the four that are really bad with the uh, negative throws. Now, Trubisky's been around a little bit longer, so less of an excuse for him, but uh, Rosen, Allen, and Jackson, at least I can be willing to give a pass, and we'll see what happens next year, especially Jackson. He only played about a half a year. Uh, looking at time to throw, this is essentially just how long did it take you to throw the ball from the time you got the snap. Now, ideally, you're going to get the ball out quickly, right? That usually translates to, you know, good things happening. The NFL average is 2.7 seconds. So going in order, looking at NFC North teams, Matt Stafford was the top at 2.58 seconds, below the NFL average. That's really solid. That it, it, you know, and a lot of this depends on scheme and, and play design and all that stuff. As we know with Aaron Rodgers, the way that they drew up plays, these are slow developing, right? That's the, one of the bigger problems with this is the ball isn't coming out because he's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for guys to get open to finish their route 30 yards down the field. Most frustrating thing ever. But anyways, Matt Stafford, 2.58 seconds. Kirk Cousins, 2.64, still below average. Mitch Trubisky, 2.78, just barely above average. And then Aaron Rodgers, 2.95 seconds, almost three seconds to get the ball out. Fifth worst in the NFL, Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. Almost all mobile quarterbacks. These are guys that ex extend plays, as is Aaron Rodgers, so there's a little bit of an excuse there. Josh Allen was the worst, 3.2 seconds per throw. 
He's not super athletic, so I don't know exactly what his excuse is other than he has a rocket arm and wants to show it off every time. The, uh, the next portion of this uh, PDF here is looking at accuracy. I'm going to skip the first chart because I just I don't care. But uh, the next one is pretty cool, and it's broken down into four parts. It's accuracy percentage by depth of target. So there's behind, my goodness, behind the line of scrimmage, 0 to 9, 10 to 19, and 20 plus. So in the behind the line of scrimmage category, which, you know, shouldn't be all that hard, Trubisky actually kind of dominated that. Um, not, I mean, he's, I don't know, seventh, but uh, best in the NFC North for sure. Maybe, probably, because this is what they scheme a lot. I mean, this is what they do all the time. It's, it's get the ball to your playmakers and let them make the plays, not Trubisky, right? Packers are the opposite. Aaron Rodgers is the playmaker. So the question is, how do we get 20 yards down the field? For the Bears, the best option is to throw it behind the line of scrimmage, make it an easy, as easy of a throw as possible to the most impressive athlete on the team and see what he can do with it. For the Packers, it's, well, let's tell Aaron Rodgers to throw it 20 yards down the field. So anyways, Trubisky uh, did pretty well with that. Matt Stafford was a little bit above the NFL average. Kirk Cousins just barely below the NFL average. Aaron Rodgers was the fifth worst in this category, which is really bad, but you can't tell me you don't remember seeing that. All the misses on guys standing right there behind the line of scrimmage, like what in the world are you even doing? Uh, Zero to nine yards. It's really hard to find people on this little dot graph here. But uh, suddenly, Trubisky is one of the worst. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, because if I just go through this, behind the line of scrimmage, he's one of the best. But he is the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th worst in 0 to 9 yard passes. He is the 2nd worst in 10 to 19 yard passes. He is the 5th worst in 20 plus yard passes. So in other words... You throw it behind the line of scrimmage, he's a stud. If you literally try to throw it one yard or more behind the line of scrimmage, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of his accuracy. That is hilarious. Hilarious. Anyways, I, I literally can't find half of these guys because this is kind of a mess. But Aaron Rodgers, again, below average from 0 to 9 yards. 10 to 19, again, Trubisky is complete garbage, one of the worst in the NFL. Rodgers finally gets above average, but barely. Stafford is also below average, and I have no idea where Kirk Cousins is. By the way, uh, some of the guys that stand out here, behind the line of scrimmage, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tom Brady, and Baker Mayfield. Um, zero to nine yards, Alex Smith was kind of the guy. Ten to 19 yards, Drew Brees stands out by a lot. And then 20-plus yards, Derek Carr is just in a world of his own. Um, but 20-plus yards, again, Aaron Rodgers is above average, but just a little bit. Kirk Cousins also um, a little bit above Aaron Rodgers. Stafford is almost exactly average, and as I said, Trubisky is just horrible. The next chart, which is also very, very awesome, um, accuracy percentage by separation. And again, if you, if you want to refer back to this or if you have any questions regarding this or want to know anything, even though I'm pretty much telling you everything, um, feel free to call in, text in, whatever, and shoot me a question. But this one is accuracy percentage by separation. So you got tight coverage, um, you know, sort of step-for-step step or closing, so close coverage, and then wide open. So in tight coverage, Fitzpatrick was just an absolute freak. About 60% of his passes were completed in tight coverage. Uh, the worst, Sam Darnold, and then closely behind was Trubisky, so not very good in tight coverage. Aaron Rodgers, also not very good in tight coverage, which is upsetting because he used to be pretty good at that, and now we see where he basically just throws it away every time. So... He's not doing well with tight coverage and decides, you know what, I'm not going to risk it. I'm just going to throw it away. 
That apparently seems to be the case. I don't know. Uh, Matt Stafford, who is the most average quarterback in the world, apparently. If I want to find him, I just find the dotted line. He's always right there, just deadly average. And then Kirk Cousins, as far as the NFC North is concerned, definitely stands alone. Uh, Roughly, I don't know, 43%. Keep in mind, the NFL average, we're looking at about, you know, 38-ish percent. So not very good in tight coverage. Basically, you probably just shouldn't throw that ball. Um, Close, step-for-step, closing coverage. Drew Brees was a top dog in this category. Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers were both uh, well above average. So let's see, we're looking at... It looks like Cousins has them by like 1%, maybe. Otherwise, it's basically a tie. I'm not sure. But uh, they're basically tied for fifth, let's call it. Trubisky, well below average. And actually, Stafford, really bad in this category. Sixth worst-ish. Trubisky, maybe ninth worst. Finally, wide open throws. There really isn't one guy that stands out. They all kind of bunch up at the top. Phillip Rivers was at the top. Brady, very close. Breeze, very close. Roethlisberger, Ryan, Smith, Tannehill. All kind of bunched up. Uh, the top in the NFC North was Matt Stafford. It looks like, although I'm not sure, Kirk Cousins is just above average. Then you have uh, Mitch Trubisky, who is below average. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the worst in this category, which is beyond upsetting. I mean, th- this is the kind of stuff that's been frustrating all year. The easy throws he can't make. He's missing the wide open guys. He's missing the guys behind the line of scrimmage. And most of the time you hear the, the same kind of complaints why don't you just set your feet? You have time. Set your feet and make an accurate throw. Well, he feels like he doesn't have to. He's just going to throw these goofy things where he jumps in the air and tries to twist his body like he's doing a jump shot in basketball. Maybe he's spending too much time with the Bucks. You're a football player, dude. Plant your feet. You should know how to do this. So anyways, there's a lot of new coaches. Hopefully these guys can come in here and they're not super enamored with his ability to make the jump shots and have you know, basically terrible quarterback form, at least with his feet and doing all that crazy stuff. Sometimes if you want to make crazy throws, cool, but when you don't have to, maybe just try to use perfect form and throw an accurate pass so that we don't have to look at this next year and go, oh, look, Aaron Rodgers missed more wide-open receivers than almost anybody in the NFL. Literally third worst in the NFL. Josh Allen and Josh Rosen were the only quarterbacks that was worse, basically tied with uh, Dak Prescott. That's ridiculous, man. That's that's so... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't see Lamar Jackson way down here. Wow. So to give you perspective on how bad Lamar Jackson was, uh, Josh Allen, who was what I thought was at the bottom, we're looking at about 65%. Jackson is at about 55%. So, yeah, pretty bad. And then finally, they've got a bunch of just ridiculously, you know, key metrics for Aaron Rodgers. I think I'm going to save this so we can move on to the draft a little bit or to the senior bowl because there's a lot of information. And just to kind of break it up and have a little bit more to do tomorrow, I want to spend some time to really kind of, uh, you know, process this because, you know, they've got, you know, grades from a clean pocket, the big time throws. They've got all that stuff kind of charted out just for Aaron Rodgers. They've got his heat map. They've got his, uh, you know, accuracy percentage and quarterback rating per route tree, you know, per route, uh, passer rating. When And, I, you know, I could already look at a lot of this stuff, but they've got some other stuff too, passer rating on third down, passer rating red zone. All this stuff broke down by receiver, uh, passer rating based on time to throw, which is actually really cool because it's it's a chart that shows 
you know, as time goes on, how his accuracy does. And it basically, it's, it's kind of like a bell curve, but a little bit more whatever. It continues to slowly go up the more time he has, but there is a stark drop right here at the 2.6 to 3 second mark. After that, it just plummets. So we'll look at this one here. Two seconds or less, 97.9. 2.1 .1 to 2.5, 107.8. 2.6 to 3 seconds, 113.2 is his passer rating. 3.1 seconds or more, 82.2. Got to get the ball out. But it, it doesn't have to be super fast, right? We can kind of let things develop a little bit. But, well, that, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of confusing because that, I think that's what his time was. I want to say it was like, what was it, 2 point? I don't know. It was in that 2.6 to 3 second range, so maybe that kind of makes sense. That's what they're aiming for because that's when he's at his best, I guess. So what do I know? But anyways, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of information. They even have it based on, you know, where he throws, you know, in front, front, which they differentiate back, behind, low, underthrow, which is even lower, high, overthrow, and then accurate. It also gives an, uh, an idea of how they grade because it's saying accurate or in frame. So accurate is like, you know, right in the numbers. In frame, it doesn't really draw it out, but, you know, presumably somewhere in between your, I don't know, from your waist to your shoulders maybe. Those are accurate passes. High, low, front, and back, which it shows high is right about the helmet. Front is, you know, just, I guess, mildly out in front. Low is about your knees. Back is just right behind the frame. Catchable, that's considered catchable but inaccurate. And then an over and under throw is basically, you know, at the feet, way out in front, too high or behind it. It's kind of hard to quantify, but I can see it in the picture, basically. But again, you know, this is why I do like Pro Football Focus, because they do, it's not like they just started going this in depth. This is what they've been doing all year, and this is how they come to their conclusions based on how good a quarterback is. While we're watching it live and then drawing conclusions on how good or bad they were, they're looking at exactly where the ball ended up and whether it was accurate, catchable, but inaccurate, or uncatchable. None of us are doing that. Again, they're, they're not perfect, but they're putting in as much work as you could possibly put in, analyzing and overanalyzing every facet of every single play, and then running that through multiple people to try to make sure that the, the accuracy they're trying to acquire is accurate. So, anyways, lots and lots of stuff here. And all this information is what goes into grades. It's not just, well, that was, that was pretty good, five points. You know, that's, that's not what happens. So anyways, again, that's going to be for tomorrow because I really do want to start talking about a little bit of the Senior Bowl because every single day there's more and more stuff. There's a lot of rumors and a lot of, you know, I mean, there's general stuff like this guy's doing well, this guy's doing not, but I'm, I'm more interested a little bit more in the, the rumors because there's already draft rumors and stuff, which the interesting thing is, you know, you say, that well, there's draft rumors. Some people go, oh, whatever. Interestingly enough, there is somewhat of a hit rate on these. It's kind of fun if you go back and look, like I'll, I'll see a player gets drafted and I'll go look at their most recent news and I'll go through and eventually at some point somebody did say, now there's a bunch of other stuff, so-and-so says they're going to this team, so-and-so goes, but some of these are actually correct. So it's, it, you know, compared to not, you know, you, you figure, pick any random player and you got a 1-32 in 32 shot. But if you have rumors saying they're going to one of these four teams, you could probably narrow it down to probably one of those four teams, not a guarantee but, um, you know, it gives you a better than 1 in 32 shot, I guess we'll say. We'll call it a 1 in 25. So anyways, uh, again, we'll, we'll break that down a little further tomorrow. But I want to try to 
mix it up a little bit. Now, first of all, I've done a lot of notes. I haven't had enough time to try to organize it, so it's like, let's talk quarterbacks, and now let's talk room. It's basically just going to be a list. So, again, it's it's disorganized, but it's all just information. So, anyways, Kyler Murray, the uh, Oklahoma quarterback. Not surprisingly, he is drawing comparisons to Baker Mayfield, who was also Oklahoma. Now, keep in mind, he hasn't 100% definitively decided on football or baseball. It seems as though the NFL is going to be his path, but he's got guaranteed money right now in baseball. It does seem like that's the smarter way to go, to be completely honest. But I think he's going to kind of play this out. You know, For example, the first rumor I have is that a scout told um, Bleacher Report's Matt Miller that um, Kyler Murray could absolutely go first overall. Now, the one skeptical thing that I have, you know, the, the skeptic in me is wondering... How many of these guys are trying to create early, early round buzz on Murray just because if he believes he can go number one overall, he'll go into the NFL? If he believes he's a late second, early third round pick, that makes no sense. He's got a boatload of money waiting for him in the major leagues. I mean, he's got some money, and I don't know exactly how this works with baseball, but essentially he would get fast-tracked to a starting major league contract, which is going to absolutely flatten any contract he would get in the NFL. They pay a lot more in baseball. So, I mean, if it's just a money thing, which it probably should be because you'll play longer and make a lot more money and you're not going to get beat up as bad, whatever. I don't know exactly how that works with endorsement deals. Maybe football players make a lot more through endorsements. I don't know. But anyways, taking it at face value, some scouts are saying he could go out number one overall. And, And based on his athleticism, I can definitely see, and now he's 5'10", 195, so there are certain teams who will just never touch him, ever, 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 ever. He's, he's short, even among short quarterbacks. Beyond that, though, there, what, what, what are the, one of the things they're talking about is he compares to Baker Mayfield in terms of his accuracy and football IQ, but he is pretty lightning quick. I mean, more athletic. So if that is the case, yeah, he, he could and should. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't even started looking at quarterbacks. As a Packers fan, I don't really care. So that's usually one of the last things I look at. So I have not watched a single thing of him. The only thing I know about quarterbacks is what I've seen when I've been watching wide receivers and running backs and everything else. You happen to catch a little bit of quarterback stuff. Or even, you know, defensive line, linebackers, you see the play. But yeah, I don't I don't personally have an opinion yet. I do know that I liked Baker Mayfield a lot. He was my favorite quarterback. Now, he wasn't my number one pick. That was Josh Rosen because I felt like he was safer. Shows what I know. But in terms of just the seemingly the most talented, I thought it was easily Baker Mayfield. I know a lot of people said Sam Darnold was it, but I just didn't see it. But anyways, as we know, this is a very, very good thing. We need guys like Kyler Murray to go number one overall. Pushes everybody down the board. You know, there's, there's also people trying to push that, you know, Nick Bosa shouldn't be number one overall. Not necessarily in the scouting community, but anyways, this, this is a good thing, man. Let's push everybody down. Um, some bad quarterback news. Uh, Daniel Jones, the quarterback out of Duke, was picked off twice. Really, really want him to be an, a, a first-round pick. Even if it's not in the top 10, it's fine, because if we can get him before our number 30 overall pick, um, you know, we, we still get one more player pushed down to us at 30. So throwing a bunch of interceptions in the Senior Bowl is not going to be awesome. One guy that's been standing out a ton is Debo Samuel. I personally didn't care for him when I watched him, which wasn't very much, but based on what people are saying about him, I think he would be a fantastic fit for the Packers because essentially what he is, 
and if I may, I'm getting a little bit tired of the way the Packers draft. Now, I, I like Gutekunst, and I like some of his picks, but can we please stop drafting people just based on their spark score, based on raw athleticism? I know there was a time and period where it's like we just want to get faster, but I'm so sick of taking guys based on athleticism rather than just taking good football players. At some point, we got to just get good football players. Based on the way the Packers draft, I don't think we'll ever touch Debo Samuel. He's not overly athletic. He's more Devontae Adams than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The guy's 5'11", 216. Not super fast, at least, at least that's my perception. But just a very, very intelligent football player, good route runner, and knows how to get open. That's what you need in today's NFL, man. Just get guys that can get open. Get the ball out quick. That's what that's what the Bears are doing. That's what the Rams are doing. That's what the Chiefs are doing. That's what the Patriots do. All the teams that are successful are not dropping back throwing bombs. Knock it off. Stop drafting the Marquezes. And I listen, that's awesome. I'm glad we got them. But you got to stop. You can't just draft people that are going to be 30 yards down the field every time. We, we've been drafting these guys since forever. Janice and, and Davis and all these guys, Marquez and EQ. They're really tall. They're really fast. Blah, blah, blah. Jeff Janice, six foot three, ran a four, what was it, four, four, two or something. Trevor Davis, same thing, not quite as tall, but ran a four, four, two. You know, Marquez is six, four, runs a four, three, nine. EQ is four, something I don't know four 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 or something I don't know but he's six what is he six five or something ridiculous six four three I don't know I think he's six five I think he's the tall one of the group but point is can we just get good football players guys that don't excite you you know for so many years it's like we get guys and it's like ooh, look how fast he is ooh, look how many times he benched ooh, look at all the fun measurables we're, we're turning into the Rams man or not the Rams the the Raiders we're becoming Al Davis, where we just want the fastest guy, and it never works, because that's not how football works. Gotta stop. So anyways, one option, Debo Samuel, nothing flashy about him, nothing super exciting about him. He's just a good football player. Could potentially be a slot guy, too, I'm not entirely sure. I think I talked about Jonah Williams a little bit. Um, kind of good and bad. A lot of people don't think he's going to be super high. In other words, he's going to fall. There's also questions about whether or not he can play tackle. That's going to impact where he gets drafted. If people think he can be a solid left tackle, he'll go earlier. If they think he can play right tackle, he'll go a little bit later. If they think he's going to be a guard, he'll go even later. But football IQ, you know, seems to be a really, really good guy. Great interview, all this stuff. Actually kind of seems like something the Packers would be interested in. Just a, a good uh, character guy, a good locker room guy, great interview. Uh, great with game prep, work ethic, you know, just just a good person, which seems to be the most important thing in Green Bay outside of spark score, the two most important things if you want to be a Packer. Love your family, be nice, run fast. There you go. And be young if we're talking about uh, quarterbacks. Exchange fast for young. Or uh, <laughs> coaches. I'm fading, man. Uh, something interesting, uh, apparently the guy that was clocked the fastest at the senior bowl thus far it's not a wide receiver it's not a cornerback it's linebacker Jermaine Pratt um not really sure how much functional speed he's got uh, I think the combine is going to be kind of interesting but it definitely is going to turn some heads the fact that this guy seems to be the fastest guy linebacker out of NC State currently on uh, my big board I have him 89th 
So kind of a third-ish round guy. But uh, something to keep an eye on for the Packers because he's another Oren Burks. I shouldn't say that. I, I don't know anything about him really. But um, super fast athletic linebacker. Some more really good quarterback news. It's also thought by Matt Miller who talked about talked to someone about Murray. He said that he talked with another NFL scout. And again, these scouts don't have any idea. The scouts are low-level regional scouts that most of these guys are talking to. Not trying to denigrate it. That's awesome. I would love... Listen, the, the one thing that gets me excited is the idea that maybe someday, if I could do something like this professionally, I get to drive down to Mobile, Alabama and brush shoulders with these low-level scouts and be able to talk to some of these guys. I'm not trying to denigrate anything. That's kind of like a dream for me. I'm just letting you know these are not the decision makers. They're just evaluating certain things. They just have opinions like everybody else. They have no say whatsoever. They're not even in the war room when they're making picks. But anyways, this certain NFL scout said that he believes someone will trade into the first four picks to get Dwayne Haskins. If that's correct, if these two things that Matt Miller has reported do come true, which is unlikely, we have a quarterback going number one. We have somebody trading into the top four to get Dwayne Haskins. That's two quarterbacks in the top five. That pushes two more talented players down to the Packers. Let's just say Quinnen Williams and Nick Bosa are the two that go in between. Now at pick five, you've got, you know, whatever, Oliver, whoever it happens to be. If the Packers do feel as though at pick five there's somebody of good value, they could absolutely trade up to that spot. Because somebody that should have been gone by now is already gone. And by packaging the two first, which again, I've already said I don't necessarily want that. But if we wanted to, we could move up to five and get whoever's there. We could get Ed Oliver. Uh, we could get Josh Allen. So basically what that may, would mean is at pick five, if that came true, there would either be Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, Josh Allen, Ed Oliver. Two of these guys would have to be there. So it wouldn't be all that unlikely, and that's why I say quarterbacks going that early can be a great benefit and at that point I kind of am okay with trading up I mean especially if it's Nick Bosa or Quinn and Williams it's not even close because those guys are absolutely elite Josh Allen a lot of hype about it I'm gonna have to go back and watch because I feel like that's gotten a little bit out of control that whole hype train we'll have to see I mean the, the versatility is awesome the fact that he's not only a good pass rusher but he's he's also good against the run he's great in coverage that kind of aspect especially for a 3-4 team Makes him just absolutely ideal, safe prospect, all that stuff. But, um, you know, some of the hype that he's, I mean, some people have him literally as the top prospect, the number two prospect, the best pass rusher, second best. I mean, it's just, it's kind of got me a little shook, right? When I saw Josh Allen, it was similar to how I felt about Bradley Chubb last year. Like, this guy's way too low. He's way better than everybody says he is, and he's flying up the board. But just like Bradley Chubb, he ends up being like the number one guy, and it's like, eh, I, he's awesome maybe, I, I don't know, man, kind of how I am with Josh Allen, but again, I got to go back and watch, but this is exactly what we want and need. Whoever these scouts are saying this stuff, please keep saying it over and over and over again. Um, some pretty bad news for uh, the Nittany, Nittany Lion defensive back Amani Aruarie. I love saying his name. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I've heard some people say R-U-R-E-A, but I like saying Aruarie. Aru, not R-U, because it just sounds like a-R-E-Y-O-U, and I don't want to say that. Are you Warrie? Yes, I am Warrie. Thank you very much. Anyways, are you Warrie? Apparently is his name. Suffered a right leg injury. I don't know the extent of it. All I know is when I saw it on Twitter, 
it had something to he was pointing at his knee or something. Really, I mean, it's been some pretty bad reports coming out of the Senior Bowl about him. He's been getting burned left and right, apparently, so maybe his draft stock was going to fall. But still, not. A, I mean, you, you got to hope he's okay, you know. Uh, as far as Montez Sweat, I know there were reports as of, you know, yesterday or two days ago that uh, he was looking real good. I kind of heard some rumblings that he was nowhere near as good yesterday. So as of two days ago, or yesterday before practice started, apparently there was some top 10 talk with Montez Sweat. Meaning, and th- this is kind of the part of the reason too, when you start talking about quarterbacks going, do you really want to trade up to five? Because if you've got Ed Oliver and Josh Allen still available and Montez Sweat still available, and you know Cleveland Farrell, Jeffrey Simmons, Deontay Thompson, you know Devin White, Byron Murphy, Ja'Kai Polite, DeAndre Baker, Brian Burns, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know where these guys are necessarily going to be ranked, but it's kind of one of those things, you know, Josh Allen, maybe you want to go up and get, but uh, you kind of also feel good about sitting tight because there's somebody's going to be awesome that's there for you. I don't know, man. I'm just so excited. I'm just, I'm just so excited. That that 12th pick, I think, is really going to pan out pretty well. I mean, it could just fall horribly. There's no quarterbacks. All the top guys go, and we're trying to pick between a linebacker and uh, iffy safety and Deontay Thompson, who I, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a safety other, other than Derwin James that I like. Every safety I've ever watched, which is hard to watch safeties because all I don't have all 22 college footage. I just have what 99% of us have, which is game film of safety. So half the time they're off the field. You just kind of see him come up and make a play. You don't really know, you know, when he was able to read it or any of that kind of stuff. But I just, in general, I just watch these safeties and go, I just don't get it, man. I don't understand it. There's been a lot of corners I liked, a lot of linebackers, a lot of running backs, a lot of offensive, every position pretty much. I've been like, yeah, this guy's awesome. Derwin James, I think, is the only safety I've ever watched that was like, yeah, I, I definitely can see it. I'm not saying I dislike everybody, but as far as like, this guy's a top 10 no, man, I, I, I'm looking at Deontay Thompson. They're talking about his, his range and all this stuff. It's like, what range? He's never He can never get to the sideline in time. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, I'm ranting. I'm sorry about that. Um, Some more quarterback news that I guess is kind of good, kind of bad. Drew Locke seems to be improving his stock kind of a lot. There's, I've been seeing, you know, you can just kind of like feel the hype building about certain guys. You hear something about Drew Locke kind of looking real sharp. Then you see like some articles coming out about Drew Locke as the most safe prospect in this whole thing, which, you know, safe isn't usually what makes you go number one overall. People would, would rather go on a Lamar Jackson than somebody safe. You know, I, I guess Josh Rosen maybe would have been considered safe. I'm not really sure. Darnold maybe was safe. I don't know. Neither of those guys were any good, so how safe could they possibly be? I, whatever. But um, apparently the Raiders coaches really like him. They said that Locke is picking stuff up really, really quickly, a lot faster than Jones is, so real sharp. He's looking real good on the field. That's another guy. Hopefully he can push his way into the first round. Hopefully Daniel Jones doesn't fall out because then we just lost all our progress. Not saying he's necessarily in, but I, I think he will be if he doesn't completely ruin his stock. But um, yeah, good news for Drew Locke. Uh, really impressing a lot of people. Um, some character concern news for a list of people. Some of these I knew, some of these I did not. The list of people who could potentially have some off-the-field concerns. Jerry Tillery, who I like a lot. Ja'Kai Polite, who a lot of people like. I like him, but, you know. I instantly start not liking somebody when everybody really likes somebody, and I have to, that's a terrible quality that I have. I've liked Ja'Kai for a long time. I need to not st- do that. I like him where he is, you know, in that, like, mid to, you know, mid-late 15 to 20 range. 
the idea that he's just a free, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to rant about it. Uh, Greedy Williams could have some off-the-field concerns, as well as Noah Fant, which I had never heard before. Uh, a couple other people that have come up recently, Marquise Blair and cornerback uh, Chris Boyd. So Utah safety, Mar Marquise Blair, Texas cornerback Chris Boyd. So the one thing we don't need is a reason not to like safety. So Marquise needs to just cool it. Um, somebody that we probably should expect to rise quickly would be uh, New Mexico State linebacker Terrell Hankins. Now, I don't even have him on my official board. I'm going to have to go and check my unofficial board and find out why, but I'm assuming he'll be on the board soon enough because people that didn't have them on, on their boards will soon. He was given the media, a lot of people in the media are comparing him to uh, Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard was a guy that was just kind of a, you know, whatever kind of prospect, not super early round, goes to the Colts and is just an absolute free. So anybody that gets this Darius Leonard badge, their stock is going to go through the roof. Obviously, GMs are uh, going to make their own determination on that, but I tend to think some of them listen to the media a little more than they should. Um, but we'll see what happens there. But uh, in general, some of the most impressive guys, which is good news for us, are the uh, pass rushers, you know, Montez Sweat, Jalen Ferguson, Carl Granderson out of Wyoming. It's, uh, it's definitely an awesome thing. Montez Sweat, 6'6", 252, which is one of the cool things about Sweat is he's so big. So he's got those long arms. I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where he probably is going to go a little earlier than he should because of potential, right? The long arms, the 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 functional strength, all this kind of stuff. People are going to say, based on his production, maybe we should wait a little bit. But based on his upside, and you know, obviously these guys get into I could coach him up and all that, and then they end up going sooner than they should. But definitely a lot of potential there. Ferguson six four two fifty six, Granderson six four two forty six, a little bit smaller. But uh, Sweat and Ferguson, you know, Sweat is a definite first-round possible top 10. Ferguson is possible first round. Granderson is sort of a day-two guy, meaning uh, second or third round. So he's, he's fighting to get into uh, the second round. Um, some some semi-related news here. There's also some rumors about the Giants, and it seems like the Giants might be looking to make a really big push to do what a lot of other teams are doing. Now, what do you need if you're the Giants and you want to make a push. Well, you've already got some decent pieces. You need a quarterback, which rumors are they are going to be pushing for a quarterback, which is good because if you want to make a push and you want to get a quarterback, this could be one of the teams that's going to move up and try to get one early. However, the second thing you're going to need is some draft space, or I'm sorry, some cap space so that you can go out and, and fill some other needs that you have, blah, blah, blah. In order to do that, we've already heard about Landon Collins. Pretty good chance he's out the door just because they want to stack up on some cap space to be able to go get some more talent. Another guy they might be pushing out the door to save some room, Olivier Vernon. So that's something else for us to keep an eye on as far as a potential free agent acquisition. Uh, some other kind of <clears throat> interesting rumors, and the reason that it would be interesting is, is because of the potential of a quarterback going early. But there was some talk last year prior to the end of the trade deadline that the Raiders are going to be looking to move on from Carr. They kept him. They've been talking him up, all this stuff, but they could fire that back up again and look to trade Carr. And one of the benefits of that, and it does seem like a Gruden thing to do because Carr is not a Gruden guy. Now, if he likes him, he likes him, that's fine. But you really get the impression he wants to build his team, his way, all that kind of stuff. And if there is a quarterback in this class that he likes a lot, there's no reason you can't trade Carr, get additional draft capital, and free up some cap space, and get the quarterback that you like, and then attack free agency because you got a, a lot more money, and attack the draft because you got even more picks. 
it just makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. As much as it seems like, no, they're not going to trade Carr. Why would they need to trade Carr? So that, again, could make it interesting. And, and again, all this stuff just kind of creates a frenzy. It reminds me of when I was a kid and we'd go bluegill fishing down in Illinois because we didn't really have lakes. We had big ponds and we had docks. And you go to the dock, right off the side of the dock, there's always bluegill there. You just dangle a worm and then you kind of find one and he comes and he bites the tail off. So you make it smaller, whatever, whatever. After a while, there's like 50 of these things. They're like piranha. It's funny because like people up here didn't understand how easy it was to catch bluegill. They're like going out in their boats and they're like trying to, I remember going with my uncle trying to bluegill fish and it's like, dude, he was telling me like, you got to use a whole worm. You can't cut it in half and all this stuff. It's like, are you kidding me? I used to literally throw the worm dirt into the water and watch them come up and eat it. They just get into this feeding frenzy where they go so crazy. They just start doing really dumb stuff where you just throw garbage in there. Not literal garbage, but again, like the worm dirt and they come up and eat it. That's dumb, but they did it. Because they're in a frenzy and they're competing with all the other fish. So they make bad decisions because they want to be there first. Because if you're waiting to make a decision, you're not going to have the opportunity to get the food. Are you following me? You're going to have to make some boneheaded decisions if you want to get your food or your quarterback. That means going early. That means trading away draft capital to move up and get somebody. And getting into the top 10 is kind of the the seemingly important thing not to say you couldn't go 12 and you know nightmare scenario somebody trades from 20 to 12 with the Packers and we move all the way back to 20 now we'd pick up a ton of draft capital which is cool but then it's like oh great we're gonna get just like 17 mediocre guys that's awesome we had a shot at somebody awesome and we get a bunch of of kind of mid-round whatever but anyways could be pretty awesome um some more not really draft news but uh rumors that I'm catching up on I mentioned that this was probably already the case, but I, you know, I think some people kind of get all fired up about stuff and they don't realize that it maybe won't materialize. It's seeming as though the Texans are going to franchise tag Jadavian Clowney. That seemed like the kind of obvious thing to do. They're not going to let him walk. Most teams are not going to let guys like that walk. Even if they don't do that, though, they're going to assign him to an extension. They're just, they're not going to let him go, man. So we're not going to get Jadavian Clowney. There's, there's a chance these rumors are wrong and something goes crazy and he ends up leaving. Maybe he just says, I don't want to be here anymore, which I would doubt because it's a great unit with a great bunch of guys and a, it's a up-and-coming team and all that stuff. Um, another kind of interesting thing, you know, the, the, the hard thing to do is to quantify this draft compared to prior drafts. Um, and I don't know everybody's perception, but Based on what some people are saying, this is just not a very good draft. And the the fact of the matter is, although there is a lot of defensive line talent, and that seems to be the, the big thing, it's not even so much that it's elite. People are saying this is a good to above average defensive line class, but everything else is just kind of below average. And furthermore, what they're saying is this is not super great in the first round. In other words, a terrible year to have two first round picks. So I guess another way to put this is if you had this draft class compared to last year or the year before or whatever's draft class, less than half of these guys would even be first-round talent. I don't know if that's, again, everybody's perception, just some guys' perceptions, but that is sort of an accumulation of you know people that they've talked. Now, something else I've noticed is everybody seems to judge drafts based on quarterbacks. The Packer fans we don't care about quarterbacks, but most people in the draft community, all they know about, all they talk about, all they care about is quarterbacks. So if they don't get their precious quarterbacks, they start throwing a a little pity party. 
I've even heard on certain podcasts where they start talking about this is a this is a terrible draft. There's no quarterbacks, whatever. I mean, I guess if you like defensive line, it's a good draft. Like just it's just it's so boring to me. Like all we hear about all day, every day is quarterback during the regular season. It's quarterback, 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 quarterback. Then we get into the draft, and it's like if you don't have five first round draft pick quarterbacks, everybody's just pouting. Like oh, defensive line. How are you even in this position if you don't appreciate all the different positions in the NFL? How are you a scout? How are, how are you a media analyst for the NFL draft and you can't appreciate linebackers? You don't care about defensive tackles. How? How is that even a thing? Like, you want quarterbacks and wide receivers and that's it. And this is not a good quarterback class and it's not a good wide receiver class, so I don't get to see anything big and flashy, so I hate this year. I, again, I don't know if that's the thing. But I'm, I'm picking up on a little bit of that. So I guess take the last rumor with a grain of salt that this is a below-average draft class. Could just be a bunch of people throwing a pity party because they don't have their precious quarterback. But uh, anyways, that's, that's sort of... I should have been doing a better job of keeping up with this as time goes on. This is sort of a convoluted over the last three days. And obviously, it's not even the game. These are practices. These are interviews. These are, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to finally get rumors. So there's a flurry of stuff. Some of it's going to be ridiculous and, and thrown out within you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. Some of it might be a little bit more valid, but this is when things get fun. This is when rumors start flying around. This is when, you know, people in the media who've been kind of isolated actually get a chance to talk to coaches, talk to scouts, find out what they've been seeing and saying for months that we haven't even heard about, especially now that you got coaches and you've got personnel staff that are really invested in this stuff. Um, you start to hear more, you start to see more things change more, things become a lot more exciting. So, um, we're going to try to stay on top of that as far as free agency in the draft, as well as whatever else might uh, materialize in the offseason. We'll have to see. But anyways, I really have to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.